you imagine being a Siamese twin, meaning where there's uh, one body, but two heads and two people basically that, that are conjoined. Be crazy. And uh, it'll be very interesting to interview uh, some Siamese twins about how they interact, about their relationship. But we can speculate that it wouldn't be too much fun if one of them grew to hate the other one. Why? Because there's no possibility of, unless there's a kind of a surgical uh, separation aside from that, there's no possibility of leaving the other, your twin. With a normal twin, we don't like them. They, they, they're stealing all our clothing. We can walk away. We can leave them. We can block them. We don't have to talk to them. The same thing goes, obviously, with uh, any other relationships. We don't like where we work. We can leave. We don't like our spouse. We can divorce. We don't like our friends. We can get rid of them. Even we don't like our children. Unfortunately, tragically, we can block them out, not talk to them. Uh, we don't like our community. We can move, at least in theory, and so forth and so on. But with a Siamese twin, we can't do that. And consequently, it would really probably be intolerable to have a person next to you, right next to you. Further, probably was controlling your body, however that works. We don't want to mess it up, but however that works, certainly is right next to you and uh, that you can't stand. So there's a good chance then if uh, a Siamese twin was in that predicament that he or she would accommodate uh, kind of the, the, the other twin and say, you know what, I'm going to figure out a way to, to like you, to, re, to respect you enough that where you're tolerable because that, uh, the alternative is, is too painful. And that makes sense. And uh, consequently, that one of the twins could be a saint and the other one can be a little uh, troublemaker. But the, the, it, nonetheless, probably they're going to grow to, to at least for each other, kind of accommodate their worldview, accommodate their opinions in order to be able to be with each other. So now we can take that even to, to a more extreme level. What's he, wh- who's even closer to us than a Siamese twin? That is, of course, ourself. <laughs> Here, even more so with a Siamese twin, at least in theory, there can be a surgical operation. At least in theory, we can plug our ears and, and uh, turn away or build something in between the heads, wh- whatever the case may be. It's in theory, we can do something. But with ourselves, there's nothing at all that we can do. And even more so, with the Siamese twin, we can only communicate with, with them uh, through what they say to us. And again, whatever the physical uh, dynamics there are with the controlling the body. But with ourselves, there's no escape at all. We're intimately acquainted with our mind, with our emotions, with every single uh, kind of part of us that's conscious, that, that we're aware of, we are aware of. So that's an even more extreme example. So consequently, what makes sense, uh, what, what's based on what we said, what does it kind of uh, uh, follow? What follows? What follows is that we will do everything possible in order to enable our self-love. Our first love will be our self, meaning our body, our body, our mind, our emotions, our temperament, our beliefs, our opinions, and so forth and so on. So we say consequently that self-love is, is a universal uh, thing, and every person loves themselves, every naturally. We, there, there can be later uh, uh, different kinds of things, uh, right? But naturally and initially, every person loves him or herself, starting a, a, as we're a baby. So consequently, in order to enable that self-love, sometimes we have to make many changes. For example, we might be told that we're not such a great person. But if that's the case, then we're stuck with not such a great person. If that would really not be fun with a Siamese twin, it's even more not fun with our own self. We can't do that. So what do we need to do? We need to figure out a system of thought where we are a great person, where we're not so bad. No matter what we did, 
right? No matter who we are, no matter our kind of nature, nurture, no matter what, we have to figure out a way to like ourselves. And then what we do is naturally is we shop around for ideas. We shop around for aspects. We shop around for things, culture, people, ideas, ideologies, beliefs. We shop around and find what will enable our self-love and enable us to continue to be continually with ourself without any respite, without any off days. Uh, aside from sleep, but we don't, uh, aside from dreams, we, we only perceive what we perceive, right? So uh, what's the issue with that? Isn't self-love good? So the idea is that if we were perfect as individuals and then we had to figure out a way to love a perfect individual, somebody with a perfect mind, with perfect morals, with perfect understandings, well, then it would be great because we would be striving to change ourselves in order to love perfection. The issue is, of course, that we are not at all perfect. We're not ideal. We're not who we want to be initially and naturally. Absolutely none of us, never. So consequently, what happens is we figure out what parts of reality we have to accept and which parts we have to reject in order to accommodate our imperfections, in order to accommodate our initial uh, natural state, which is low, always, and and petty, and small. So uh, we do this then by uh, thinking, okay, what as we said, right, what what idea do I need to hold uh, to, to be the case? Who do I need to hate? What ideas do I need to hate? What belief system, what ideology do I need to accept? What do I need to reject? And uh, it, the more we do this, the more we do this, the more we narrow ourselves, the more we constrict ourselves. Because let's think about it, actually. So let's say that a person has um, is is naturally very. It, it, we're, we're all lazy, right? But some people have more of a kind of natural impetus to do something to go. But some people really don't. They really struggle with uh, with with laziness, with doing anything at all. So now. Somebody may have told us that's not good. It's not good to be lazy. So now we're stuck with with a, with a person who there's a chance is not such a great person. That's no good. That can threaten our self-love and it's extremely painful to not love ourselves. obviously. So now we think, okay, what do I need to figure out? What do I need to tell myself in order to not feel so bad about being lazy? Most of us, we never think, how about I stop being lazy because that's hard work. We don't think about that. So we think, what do I need to figure out in order to feel good about the way that I am? So maybe I, I can uh, figure out something that's wrong with me, right? And, and cling to a tooth and nail as who knows how many millions of people do, right? That, that no matter what you tell them, no matter what help they're given, they say, nope, there's something wrong with me. I know it. I don't, I don't care if the doctor can't say, I know it, there's something wrong with me. We can do that. Or we can say that really the, the best kind of life is the Epicurean style, always relaxing, always pleasure, always enjoyment, that we're actually the righteous ones for, for not doing anything. We can say, oh, we can start to hate people that work hard. Oh, what are you doing working so hard? You're going to die anyway. There's no point. You're so foolish. Uh, and so forth and so on. Basically, we figure something out in order to make life tolerable with our own self, with the minimum amount of hard work. As always, that's the usual idea. So what's the issue? Isn't it great? Now we can love ourselves. It's all good. So the issue is that we just narrowed the amount of reality that we can consider as part of ourself, that we can identify with, that we can accept and get behind. Let's say, to use some of these examples we offered off the top of the head, now we hate people that work hard because they threaten our self-image. Now we um, 
We're convinced that there's something wrong with us, so consequently we're suspicious of all doctors who tell us otherwise, of all our family, all our friends who tell us we're fine. We're suspicious. No more relationships with them. We'd rather be stuck by ourselves saying something is wrong with us. What else do we say? Um, Whatever else we said, but that's the point, right? So we narrow our, our sense of reality, our sense of self more and more. So now that we've done that, there's even more pain because our good comes from uh, becoming more objective, from becoming more loving of reality and of the truth. Now we've just went the other way. Now there's more pain. Now we're anxious. Now we're distressed. Now we're depressed. Now we have to do the same cycle again. And we have to figure out, okay, I'm, I'm uh, depressed, for example, but it can't be because of a choice that I made it must be because of somebody or something external to me. So I think it's because of those people, because of what they believe or because of this situation here, uh, political situation, social situation. It's because of them. So now we just did the same step that we described again. Now we have to hate even more of reality. Now we have to reject even more people in our, as a concern, their sense of self. Now we've just contracted and narrowed ourselves even more. That's even more pain. Now we're anxious. Now we can't fall asleep at night. Uh, now we, you know, we have all kinds of uh, all kinds of issues. Again, the same thing. Even less likely we are to be honest and to say it's my fault. Let me go back to the initial lie and, and begin to, to to kind of honestly go forward. So we're gonna do the same cycle again. Oh, I'm anxious. It must be because of another group of people, or it must be because of. This factor that has nothing to do at all, at all with me, and uh, and we you get the point. So we can contract and contract and contract until we get to such a tiny little narrow point, and that is of course no fun because it's one little narrow point against all of reality, against all of truth, against so many other people, against so much other truth and beauty and goodness, and it's us against all of that. Why? Because we want the self love. We want to enable our self love. And that's the path we took in order to enable our self-love, the quick and easy path, which is to not change ourselves, but it's to change what we believe in order to make us feel good being the way that we are. This, unfortunately, that something that all of us do, more or less, and be without conscious knowledge, it's, it's very, how, how would we avoid it? And we, we really can't. It's the natural, instinctive thing to do. And uh, the further thing is it, it adds, it's kind of... Con- uh, the part and parcel of it is, uh, is it blinds us to when this happens. And we all say, obviously, when we confront a person, which is just the exam- random example we gave with the person who, what do we start out with? Um, the person who wanted to be lazy. If we confront a person like that and we say, listen, so the reason that you have all these problems is because initially you didn't want to take the responsibility. You looked outward instead of inward, yada, yada. What's the person going to say? You're right. I'm sorry. That would be an amazing person. And that's the goal after many years of therapy, after many years of of who knows what. But initially, naturally, obviously, the person is going to say, absolutely not. This has nothing to do with me. It's exactly the way I said it. Why? Because it's true and and so forth and so on. So this is what we always do. Uh, we hate half the world. We have a, a minimal relationship with reality, with the truth. We don't care what the truth is. We're not growing uh, in our re- connection with the truth, with reality. We don't know. We don't care. Whose fault is it? It's your fault. It's his fault. It's her fault. It's never, ever my fault. It's never my responsibility. My emotions are never my responsibility. How I feel, what I believe, my outcomes in life, it's never my responsibility. It never has anything to do with me or my choices. It's always because of that. Right, we get the point. So this is the universal thing. We're blinded to it, which makes it additionally difficult. All right, so consequently, 
first step will be to unblind ourselves and to see the situation for what it is, which is that we're good. There's nothing sinister about it. We just want to love ourselves, and we took the natural instinctive path of self-love, which is changing our convictions to fit whatever it is that we do, whatever our weaknesses are, whatever our pathologies are, whatever nature, nurture, whatever it may be. First step is to be honest about it. The next step is to make a, a, a self-love plan and say that I want to love myself truly, but not tomorrow, not today. In a few years, right? Let me take a couple of years, three years, five years, 10 years, whatever it may be, but eventually I want to get to a real state of self-love. And a real state of self-love, of course, has nothing to do with my particular psychology. It has nothing to do with my particular circumstances in life, my particular weaknesses, my particular craziness. Real self-love means loving myself, loving all of reality, loving truth, Sometimes it may make the particular body that I call my own look bad or the particular emotional interest or situation look bad. Sometimes it might make it look good. I don't care because that's not all there is to me. We're as big or as small as we choose or as we kind of not directly choose. Otherwise, we would just say, oh, let me be big, right? But uh, as we kind of as our choices lead into, we can either be con contracted to a tiny, narrow little point, like we said, against the f battling all of reality, or we can encompass all of reality. Obviously, not, we can never, not all of it, but we can be moving in that direction. We can encompass the interest of billions of people and of civilizations and nations and ages and, uh, and all sorts of things, right? Just like a spokesman or woman for, for an organization all of a sudden goes from representing his or her own uh, narrow interest. I want to eat uh, this for lunch and not that. Now, all of a sudden, I'm representing the company, right? I have to speak for this large uh, corporation, for this government. So it's the same thing. We, we're a spokesman or woman for as many things as we, as we can be. So our initial kind of strategy for self-love makes us a spokesman or woman for, like we said, something very, very narrow for, to accommodate our little kind of nonsense. What we want is to be a, a spokesperson for all of reality, for all of truth, or again, as much as possible of it, more and more every single day. And like we said, we do that by acknowledging where we are now, by being totally honest about it, nothing wrong with it, it's all good, it is what it is, and then beginning to try to only ask ourselves, what is the truth? It's the only question, the only way we're ever going to truly love ourselves and have real self-love is only ever asking what's the truth at any expense to myself, to my emotions. It, it, it can make me feel bad, can make me feel good. It doesn't matter. I'm going to try to clarify my thinking. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to take responsibility for my emotions, for my development, for my life, for my outcomes. And then I'm going to try to steadily advance no matter how painful it is toward the light, toward truth, toward reality, toward true self-love, which includes love for all of reality, which includes all people, includes all nature, includes everything, all, all this, all ideas, everything, right? So that's the way to go. Let's think about it. Thank you for listening.